the meditation instructions, listen deeply and speak the truth, are obviously a pair, but I'll speak about them separately, mostly. They have to come up together, of course, just to let the mind land and focus on each. And while speaking begins with listening, so naturally listening might be spoken of first, it actually is easier to find a way of navigating the meditation practice of listening if we understand something first about speaking. So that's where we'll begin with Speak the Truth. Speak the Truth is, as we're using it, a meditation instruction. It's not a communication instruction or relationship instruction. It's just like pause, relax, open, and trust emergence. And it flows out of those. So it rests on the mindfulness of the pause. It stabilizes with relax. It engages relationally with open and gains flexibility with trust emergence. To speak the truth, we have to know what the truth is. And there's no other way to know the truth, which in meditation is the truth of subjective experience, right? That's what meditation is about to know the subjective world. The only way to do that is with sati, with mindfulness. What's true, and it's true now. So there's this introversion of attention that knows what's true now. Not just what's happening now, but what would be spoken because when you actually pause and you drop into the emergence of what would be spoken, of present moment experience, and it's all this changing phenomena, you could say anything. You could talk about this, you could talk about that, what you see, what you hear, what you think, what happened last week, it's all right there. What's going on with this other person? There's a million things you could say. Out of that whole field of experience in this moment, the whole phenomenal field, what gets spoken? What gets left aside? <coughs> this is the aspect of Speak the Truth that rests on discernment. Discerning what gets spoken, what is left unspoken. So, once again, if we recognize that each of these meditation instructions is a matter of turning the mind, tuning the mind, offering some guidance for how can I meditate here and now, you might touch that sense of mindfulness, knowing experience, and living in that question. What's true now? Now, we've interrupted already what? 
automatic speech, yeah? Because, let's face it, speaking is something we do so well that we can do it mindlessly. And guess what? We do. Don't we? Not you guys. The, the, <laughs> the people you know, right? They do it mind, without, without mindfulness. You're always mindful when you speak. So we're talking about other people. So now that it's safe. So what's true now? And you're looking. You're actually, there is sati. There is a remembering to look, a remembering to notice what's going on now. And so there's this discernment. So we can explore when we bring forth, speak the truth as an intentional practice. (laughs) Discernment, practicing discernment. What's it like to actually pause and take some time if it's necessary? Actual time time to say, hmm, now that's, that's coming up, but it doesn't feel true. True now just means it would be spoken. So there's this energy to speak it. It feels right. There's not a formula for this other than, you know, the Buddha offered some very useful formula for the basics. So is it actually factually true? Right? So that's a good one. Is it beneficial? That takes a lot of wisdom to know that. How do you know that? You might get some relief and you may send someone you're talking to off into a tizzy. In Insight Dialogue, the concerns are a little different when you're in formal meditation practice. So what's true and useful actually is useful in terms of supporting your meditation. In the case, for example, when you have a contemplation, an actual topic, actual exploration together of Dhamma, one calls forth this Dhamma, maybe impermanence, maybe aging, maybe contentment, maybe mindfulness itself, maybe one of the practices like metta, you call to mind, what, you know, and you touch, you bring it to the mind. And now, of all of that, what's true, you see? So now you have a specific domain that's benefiting from a formal practice. What's true? What, what would be spoken now? Because you never have to say anything at all. Silence is, silence is a way of being. But if you're going to speak, speak the truth what's true now. So you have the mindfulness aspect and you have the discernment. You know what's going on and there's a conscious process. Now, of course, as practice becomes more fluid, then sati, the the remembering, can be more continuous and natural and likewise, so can discernment the sense of rightness of what one is speaking. One sort of enters that stream of emergence with clarity, with, in Buddhist terms, right view, with a sense of actuality. And uh, the openness brings us, you know, the kind of the interpersonal sensitivity. So 
there can be this rightness without, um, so it, it, it answers the question about spontaneity. Yes, there can be spontaneous speaking of the truth, but it's an evolved practice. It has with it these qualities of discernment and mindfulness. So another piece that is really fascinating and usually overlooked specifically because we're so good at it is the putting together of the actuality of experience with language, with words. Please think about what this means because it's quite deep, it's quite subtle. What is actuality? What is phenomenal experience? Even as I'm speaking now, what is actually going on here? Is it words? Can you actually give language to this moment of awareness? Try it. It's an absurdity, isn't it? There's, there's no packages in suchness. There's just this flux. There's just this. And yet, here we are naming things. This is what the body-mind, what the brain does. And of course, all sorts of other processes conspire to how we name reality. Personality, culture, background the actual language that you speak, and are you speaking your native language? A million factors go to take this uh, flux of experience and put it into words. But let's go deeper into the flux, right? Because we're talking about phenomenal experience, which we now understand has no words as such, other than the phenomenal experience of language, if you want to go into that direction. But in actual seeing, hearing the world, sensing in the body, and the responses of the mind. So a tremendous amount of the responses of the mind, a lot of our mental life, you might say, is in what? Internal talking. Okay? So that's got words. So sometimes I find, often I find, that when meditators look to speak the truth, where they go to find the truth is to the words that they're talking inside. Totally valid and partial. Which of these streams of mental words is true? is a really good question, and it's a major step beyond habit, beyond the automatic speaking, right? But we're meditating. We have high standards. So let's take it deeper. In this flux, where we know there's no language, or language does not, uh, cannot adequately describe or express the flux. We know that. 
what's actually this experience that I'm having now? What is true? If I'm going to speak this truth, well, first I have to know it. So now there's a deeper invitation in this mindfulness. Whoa. Get below any stream of mental commentary, languaged commentary, into direct sensation and the changing of the mind states, the shifting of phenomenal experience without language. Okay, this is what's true. So you might locate some flicker of a felt sense of something when you bring up like, say, aging or something about this self or some aspect of impermanence. And behind that is this flicker of felt sense and mind state and it kind of comes into a wholeness and now there's a putting to this of words. So now we know, okay, that it's like taking the infinite and putting it inside the finite. You say, okay, it's impossible, I give up. But no, no. Because as much as it is impossible, it's also possible. We're doing it now. Think of what's happening right now. That which began within this body-mind that's speaking as direct experience has come up through this body, through these mind states, together with this history, this linguistic capacity, and it's flowing into this language And there's this physical act that follows this remarkable piecing together. And the piecing together that I'm doing as I speak is constantly coming out of this accessing of actual experience or insight or understanding. And the reason that I'm doing this quickly is because I've had so much practice and I've thought about this stuff a lot. This is no accident. You understand? But what it makes possible is this offering of a teaching is fluid enough that it enters the mind and now we talk about the listening, right? Mm -hmm. We'll do the listening in more detail in a moment, but let's actually see that, wow, Something is happening so that these words are conveying something, are they not? Check it out. Are they? Are you understanding what I'm saying? That means that this mapping that I've helped facilitate is effective. It's actually helping convey Dhamma. Wow. That's amazing. That's really amazing. The Buddha was a master of conveying Dhamma, so much so that there became this thing called Buddha Dhamma. 
this like, you know, formal body of teachings carried not just through transmissions heart to heart. My dears, it was carried immensely through language. So if you ever start to think that language is, oh, it's so partial, it not, has nothing to do with meditation, it's all conceptual, it's all nonsense, think about where your practice comes from. Think about how you've learned from your teachers. Very powerful, very powerful. The voice of another and wise attention, the Buddha said, the conditions for the arising of right view. The voice of another. What do you think that voice is? Where is it coming from? A human being. Whether it's written or emailed or spoken, it's all the same, yeah? So, in speaking the truth, how do we cultivate the mindfulness while speaking? There's a lot of good places to start, and we'll be moving through it in layers, but let's just touch some of those layers, just quickly. Physicality. Body awareness. In Pali, you might refer to kaya nupasana. Vipassana meditation based on the body. This body, what have you got? You've got the movement of the belly, pushes, pushing the air, right? The diaphragm. The air comes up. You can feel the air coming up. So there's tensions that drive this act, this physical act. It's muscular. Muscular. This right? pushes the air. And this, this muscle, the vocal folds, they tighten, and like blowing air through two reeds of grass, makes a ah, uh, ah. If I don't shape it with my mouth, ah, 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 that's all you get. But you do get it, but it comes from tension, tensing these muscles. And the tenser they are, the higher the pitch. The looser they are, the lower the pitch. And the tenser these muscles are, the louder it gets, or the softer. And then when these relax completely, you just get this. You don't get this. These are relaxed now. Right? It's all muscles. Then there's all these muscles for the lips and the tongue. This incredible acrobatics of the vocal apparatus. It's astonishing. It's delicate movements. You could never, never do that all cognitively. You can play with pieces of it any way you want to. (laughs) But it's just pieces of it. When you go to talk, it's just happening. But if you bring mindfulness to the different pieces, it can be a good place for your practice to find some bearings. But also, you can say, well, okay, got that. Now I'm going to allow all of that, and I'm going to bring the remembering to notice the mindfulness. I'm going to bring to uh, noticing the different streams of thought. So I'm going to do the discernment thing with all the words in my head. That's kind of the 
gross but still incredibly valuable aspect of mindfulness while you're speaking. You, you pause, hmm, okay, aging, and you got all these thoughts, there's one, and I speak. Right? It's, it's good practice, absolutely good practice. Let's take it another layer back, the body. But now, not the physical act of speaking, we're going more towards mind states, which are tied in with body states. So now you're talking about what's the truth in the heart, or the belly, or the energy? What's the truth in the mood? What's the truth in the solar plexus, you know? It's different ways of attuning to what's true now, right? So you're not looking just, you're not listening just to the internal languaging, right? And now you can really be more careful about how to bring language to that because that clearly has no language, that feeling in the belly or in the solar plexus or even that mood. Hmm, what do I call this? You know, you think of, let's say, your father or your mother and just that word indexes back into all of this. What do I call this? This internal listening reveals so much. How do I name it? It gets very beautiful. And then there's the subtlety of just being in awareness and attuning to the awareness, dropping yourself at the edge of emergence, and what's true, right? And you're with another. So here we are, Psst. what's true? Beneath the body, beneath the muscles, beneath the thoughts, just consciousness. Right? So there's a lot of layers to this practice. And as I said, it flows out of pause, relax, knowing experience, receiving experience, open, it's relational, available, emergence, trust emergence, dropping into this sense of the flux of it. What's true now? Speak the truth. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.